Hi everyone and welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses. This is the safe place to be horse crazy. The show has quite a few new listeners lately and I thought it best to give newbies a little insight into our origins, what we're about, and why I do it. You'll hear more from me on this show than you've ever heard before. I'll let you decide if that's a good thing or a bad thing. At the end of the show, I'm going to give you a phone number. I'll explain why at the end, but I hope you will use it because it will help improve not only your horse experience, but your horse's people experience. Okay, it came to my attention by one of the listeners, thank you very much, that I hadn't even mentioned my name in one of the shows a few weeks back. People want to know who you are and why you do this. Sorry, I get so involved with the guest, I forget. The podcast came about because I, that is, me and my wife Renee, needed to learn more about horses and horsemanship. Let me give you the backstory. How many people do you know who say something like, when I was three months old, my mama put me on a horse and shoved a rope in my hands. I've been on a horse ever since. Now I know it sounds like I'm making fun of them. I'm not. I'm jealous. I came to horses at the ripe old age of 51. Yeah, 51 years. I hear you snickering over there. Knock it off. My wife had a horse for the first 25 years we were married. His name was Vandy. But I just could not figure him out. So I took up golf, mountain biking, tennis, even yoga. Anything not to have to share the horse experience. Vandy died at 25 and Renee got another horse. He promptly dumped her the first week. Clinton Anderson came along on RFD TV and I started learning about horses with the only goal of keeping my wife, yeah, I'm kind of fond of her, from getting killed. Say what you want about Clinton and down under horsemanship. I found people either love him or hate him. He gave me the foundation I have in horsemanship and I'll be forever grateful. Yeah, I learned about horses from watching DVDs. Anyway, I worked with Renee's horse for a few weeks while she recovered. A little later, I worked with a neighbor's horse. In just a few weeks, I was making real progress, far more than I had in the previous 25 years. More importantly, I was having fun. You know if you're listening to this, that once you start building that bond with a horse, you only want more. That was me. 25 years of being married had gotten me half ownership in a horse. For that entire time, I had been in charge of hay and manure. I call it ingress and egress. Now, I was thinking about getting my own horse. I did. The first thing I noticed was that two horses, here in California at least, seemed to cost three times what one horse cost. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make sense. Then, when I really started getting into it, I found out first, there's a whole lot to know about horses, and second, how little I actually knew. The third thing I noticed, and you can see I'm an incredibly observant guy, although I didn't see any of this before it actually occurred, the third thing I noticed was that learning the stuff I didn't know was incredibly expensive. Well, I say incredibly. It's kind of like medical insurance. It seems like a fortune until you have to go in for an MRI or something, and then insurance is actually cheap. And I look at knowledge a lot like insurance. The more I know, the less likely I am to do something stupid. 
The fewer stupid things I do, the less likely I'll get hurt. And make no mistake, if you own a horse, you will do something stupid. Okay, fast forward a few years and Renee and I are riding a lot. My foundation quarter horse, Jesse, picked up on the training and was doing a great job. Knock on wood, in the 10 years I've owned her, she's never dumped me, nor have I come off. The stuff we do is 95% trail riding. We live in a semi-rural area where we have access to open farmland. The roads between the fields go on for miles. Now, people dump trash, sofas, and mattresses alongside the road, and we have many a scary object to work on our desensitizing. Let me take another sidebar here in case there are any husbands listening. I made a deal with Renee that when we're around and working horses, either of us can say or offer advice to the other without fear or retribution. I call it the marriage penalty waiver. Renee has a great eye and she has really helped me improve my writing, but I don't think it would have happened if I had not given her permission to yell at me every time my elbows chicken flap during the lope. Now she needs to be a stronger leader for her horse, Dusty, and I need to remind her often. I remember once I was at the golf range and there was a husband and wife couple next to me. The husband, poor foolish young man, was trying to teach his wife to hit the ball. Judging from the way things were going, this was her first time. The poor guy was simply trying to share his love of the game with the woman he loved. With every whiff of the ball, the wife got more and more frustrated, and the husband offered more advice. In less than 20 minutes, she was yelling at him, I did exactly what you said to do, and look, the ball's just sitting there on the ground. Oh, if they had only had the marriage penalty waiver. Guys, it doesn't work 100% of the time, but when combined with a little bit of alcohol, and speaking of booze, After most rides, Renee and I would sit in our garden, sipping whiskey and talking about horsemanship. Why did your horse do that? I feel like I'm flopping all over the saddle. How do I keep my balance? How do I know what lead I'm on? Your horse backs up better than mine. After a while, we realized these debriefings were valuable. Man, if we only knew this stuff when we had Vandy, how much farther would we be along? And there it was in a nutshell. We knew there were a lot of people out there just like us, people who wanted to learn more about their horse and horsemanship and didn't know where to go. Trainers can be pricey, and sometimes the information isn't always helpful. About 10 years ago, Renee got me a lesson working cattle with a trainer. I had read in Western Horseman's Legends book about my mare's grandsire, Jesse James, who was a fantastic cutting horse. Still very young in my horse knowledge, I wondered if my mare Jessie would be any good at working cows. But here's the deal. I didn't even know what, quote, any good at working cows, unquote, meant. I'd track a cow for a bit and the trainer kept asking me, is she hooking up on the cow? Well, what's that feel like, I asked. Oh, you'll know, is she hooking up? The cow horse trainer thought this was common knowledge, that everyone who owned a horse should get this feeling. I didn't. Well, if she was, I didn't know it, feel it, or anything else. She was like a bull in a china closet as far as I was concerned, banging all over the place. I think back on it now, and yeah, I think she was interested in the cows. I just didn't know how to develop it. 
Years later, on a different horse, working a gather at a nearby ranch, I felt my horse hook onto a cow and cut it right out of the herd. It was truly magical. Even though I didn't know the first time I went to a cow trainer, once I knew there was a thing called cowie and something known as hooking up, I was able to feel it on my horse. The experiences were years apart. Again and again, if I only knew then what I know now, kept going through my head. How many people were out there like me, I wondered. I'm a geeky kind of a guy, and somewhere around 2009-2010, I started listening to podcasts. I had my little iPod 4, and while cleaning pens or doing groundwork or out on the trail alone, I listened to all kinds of shows. I wondered if there were any podcasts about horses, and at the time, there were very few. So, I bought a microphone and started one. At first, it was just Renee and I trying to recreate our garden conversations. It was heavy on down-under horsemanship and was even called the Duh Podcast. Even though we have never been affiliated with the company and stated that on every single show, people thought we were. Down Under thought it was cute at first, then asked us to remove references to their company. I complied happily. They spend a fortune building their reputation. Certainly, they don't need two yahoos like Renee and I coming along and confusing people. I gave a lot of consideration to just deleting the show and fading into the sunset. But there's something about seeing your names on iTunes that kind of worms its way into your ego. I decided then, if I was going to be there on iTunes, I would do my best to make it valuable. Now, since most of my knowledge of horses comes from experience, let's record our experiences, I thought. I interviewed a large animal veterinarian about supplementation. I interviewed my farrier. We would take an occasional lesson from a local trainer, and I would try and get a few horse tips here and there. Some of the more fun episodes were when we took the recorder out in the field, like the time we went for a trail ride in Ojai. We were on rental horses. I interviewed the guide while we walked along the trail, and he finally said, Put that thing away, slap your horse on the butt, and let's get up this hill. With that, we went up this grade at a full gallop. It's always been tough getting guests. In 2013, few people knew what a podcast even was. And people in the Western world almost take pride in not using technology. But I did get a break and interviewed Rick Lamb of The Horse Show. Then used his name to interview trick writer Tommy Turvey. Then used both of those names to get Baxter Black. And so on and so on. Over the years, it's been fun. Those episodes are all still on wopodcast.com. Country music singer Chris Cagle had been on Clinton's TV show. I'm kind of a shy guy, but I'll stick my foot in my mouth asking somebody for something quicker than anybody. I thought my show needed music to enhance the entertainment value. I love music, most every kind, and I wanted music on the show. So I emailed Chris Cagle out of the blue. I got a message back that Chris was on tour. Hey, I tried anyway. I read on. He would be in Bakersfield the following week and would love to talk. What? When I showed up at the tour bus, the big guy guarding the door rolled his eyes and said, I'll check. Then came back and ushered me right in. Now, I had to record with the bus generator going the whole time, and it took me hours and hours to edit that sound out. But I'd gotten on the bus 
with a country music star. We had a wonderful conversation about horses, Clinton, and music. For my 100th episode, I reached out to Clinton and he came on the show. He's a nice guy, fast talker. He doesn't leave much room to ask questions. And if you do, you better get it out quick. It was fun. But you know, it was kind of weird too. After watching all those training videos, I had had many conversations with Clinton in my head about horsemanship. The live conversation just wasn't the same. It was after that 100th episode, I took another look at the show. What was I doing? Was it entertainment? Was it educational? I really didn't know where I wanted to take it, but I thought my roots were in offering information. So, obviously, I went there. I had a saddle maker on, talking about tack and how to take care of it. Then I had a, a trainer who is trying to preserve the California vaquero tradition, Bruce Andifer, on the show. Boy, that's when I really felt like an imposter. I didn't have a clue about a bunch of the stuff he was talking about. Remember, I came to horses at age 51. All the old cowboy ways and such, I knew nothing about. I'm sure he thought I was just a dude. My veterinarian, Dr. John Tolley, was holding an emergency preparedness seminar for horse owners, and he let me record that for the show. To date, I think that was the most valuable of all our episodes. Your horse is going to get into trouble of one sort or another. Knowing what to do in an emergency can not only save you money, it may even save your horse's life. I also asked Dr. Tully to do a show about the basic needs of your horse from a veterinarian's perspective. It's an essential listen to those thinking about owning a horse. My thinking then and now is that the more things I do with horses, the more I learn. In 2014, I covered the Mustang training competition held in nearby Tehachapi. There is a herd of wild horses roaming free on private land. They are not managed by the BLM. Nobody owns them or they are owned by whoever owns the ground they happen to be standing on at the time. A good portion of them spend most of their time in an area called Oak Creek. That land has caretakers who do their best to look out for the herd. Four years of drought and many more of indiscriminate breeding had the herd all out of balance. Their solution? Hold a Mustang makeover-like event called the Vaquero Heritage Trainers Challenge. Give trainers a horse to train for four months, hold a competition, declare a winner, and bring attention to the herd and maybe get a few more adoptions. And a cool herd of horses it is. No one has the actual story, but there was a Morgan horse breeder in the early 1900s that used horses working cattle in the area. Some of the horses escaped, bred, and managed to survive. The herd is almost all black, with an occasional horse having a white blaze or a sock. The first time I saw them, they took my breath away. So there I was in 2014 for all three days of their competition. I had my recorder, my camera, my video camera. The organizers are just good people trying to help horses. I got to know them pretty well. I even got my dog Buster a Catahoula at the silent auction. The different trainers used several different techniques. I watched and learned. The horses were smart and responsive. Now the following year, it didn't look like the event would fly. They needed six trainers minimum, and in April, the event started in June, 
They only had three. I talked it over with Renee, whose only requirement was that I come out the other side healthy enough to enjoy our retirement. And then I decided to take on one of the Mustangs. I was really confident filling out all all the paperwork, bringing in another pen to our small piece of land and dragging in extra feed and generally just getting ready for another horse. The organizers chummed the horses into pens a few days before we made the trip to Tehachapi and then down six miles of dirt road. All the trainers went in at the same time. It turned out there were eight of us, six of whom made a living working or training horses. Yeah, six professional trainers against the guy who learned most of his horsemanship from a mail order course. Pretty funny, huh? I drew last to pick from the available horses, and there was only one worthwhile gelding left. I would later find out he was 10 years old, had been gelded at 7, and those blotchy marks on him were likely from his bachelor days getting bit by the other studs and mares. They ran him into a chute. The agreement was, once he was in my trailer, I owned him. It took him three tries, and as they slammed my trailer door closed, it began to dawn on me the responsibility I had undertaken. My plan was to work with him a couple hours a day. Boy, was that an understatement. The learning curve was steep, and we finally made some progress. I named him Scratch because of all the marks on his body and the fact that that was my starting point with this horse. I was starting from scratch. The four months went by fast, but the cool thing was the people I met along the way. Everyone I asked for help, trainers, people I interviewed, veterinarians, they all came through. A few people let me use their arenas to train. One of the vaqueros worked with me for a few hours offering tips. My veterinarian did vaccinations and dental on the horse in exchange for his name on a banner at the event. Even Clinton came through with a halter and lead. The podcast was sporadic during this time. My hands were full hauling scratch somewhere almost every day. I was taking my time with him, trying to be safe, but it was not leaving much room for finding guests and doing interviews. At the event, we had our problems. Scratch bolted a few times in the arena. Down Under Horsemanship had given me a good foundation and groundwork, and it was there that Scratchy shined. We ended up placing fourth, and a local rancher bid on Scratch during the auction. He hired me to keep Scratch and continue working with him. Cool, huh? I trained Scratch and got to ride on the owner's ranch, gathering cattle and helping at a branding. The rancher knows Bobby Kerr, the Mustang man, and I got to ride with him when he passed through town performing at the local rodeo. I even got to do an interview with him. I still have Scratch. Turns out he's not quite big enough for the rancher, but he's doing well for me. This brings us to our fifth year. There's still much to learn and experience. Even when I wasn't producing episodes on a regular basis, the past episodes were still being downloaded. We've had over 100,000 downloads from more than 80 different countries. This tells me the information people get from the show is worthwhile. My plans for 2017 are to try and find stories from the old guys, the ones who helped figure out contemporary horsemanship. Those guys that saw stuff and figured it out. Those guys that had a tough horse and worked their way through. I began by interviewing Ernest Forsberg, who went to the NFR in the 1960s and spent a life around horses. 
Then I got to interview Jayton Lord, who traveled the country as a teenager with his grandfather, the great Ray Hunt. Just recently, I had a conversation with Brandy Lyons, who is carrying on the wonderful techniques of her father, John Lyons. But one thing is missing. You. What's it like with your horse? Do you have a tale to tell? What can you pass along? That one thing that helped you over the hump and allowed a breakthrough to building a better relationship with your horse. I started this show because I wanted to share what I was learning with you. Now, I'd like you to share a few things with me. We have a Google Voice line that will take your recordings. I'll give you the number in a sec. What I would like to know is something special about your horse. What do you like most about him or her? What do you know now about horses that you wish you knew way back when? Tell us your first name and where you live. Of course, we would like to have your horse's name too. Okay, here's the number. It's 661-368-5530. That's 661-368-5530. Your voice will be recorded and I'll throw your tips, tricks, and tales to hundreds of other horse owners who would love to hear it. If you want... Let me know what you like best or least about the show. I'd love to hear it. Got something you want me to check out? Please throw that in there too. Too shy to have your voice recorded? Hey, so was I five years ago. Give it a try. If it doesn't work for you, email me your thoughts at john at woepodcast.com. Together, we can make a big difference in the quality of our collective horse experience. And it'll not only be better for us, but more importantly, for our horses, too. That'll do it for this show. I've got one more special deal for you. Would you like to get one horsemanship tip in your email box every week? Join our mailing list. It's right there at the top of wolfpodcast.com. Every Friday, I'll send you a quick tip, something you can do to build a better relationship with your horse with just a few minutes practice. Remember, if you want to learn more about horses and horsemanship, check out our other episodes. There are a bunch. You can use the search bar on woepodcast.com to find some of the episodes I've mentioned here. You can also find a link to our YouTube channel about our life with horses, dogs, cats, cows, and travel. Some are helpful. Some, sadly, are incredibly silly. But remember, you can subscribe to the Woe Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and you'll never miss an episode. I love hearing from you. Send your emails to john at wopodcast.com or use that Google voice line 661-368-5530. Thanks again for listening to the show and sharing this podcast with your friends and writing buddies. You are the reason we got this far. So until next time, for Renee, this is John Harris saying, Go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.